Welcome to the next podcast from Millinery Info. This episode is with Cynthia Jones Bryson. Cynthia is the winner of the 2019 and 2015 Oaks Day My Millinery Award. This podcast is thank you to the support of our podcast sponsors, Ms. Haiti Millinery, the Millinery Association of Australia, Catherine Cherry Millinery, Hat Academy, The Essential Hat, and Louise McDonald Milliner. If you would like to show your support of this podcast, we invite you to become one of our sponsors. Here's our episode with Cynthia. Thank you for talking hats with me today, Cynthia. It's great to have you as part of our podcast series. Oh, thank you for asking me, Lauren. That's I feel very privileged. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. So what I'd love to hear about first is you just won the My Millinery Award um, on Oaks Day at Flemington. We'd love to hear about those people who may not have had the chance to see the hat yet. Could you tell us a little bit about that hat? Um, well, I, I guess I could say that it's quite sculptural and my whole idea was for it to be quite feminine and to really flow. So I wanted the shape to just flow into be one piece but flow and it's bright red on one side and neon pink on the other and it has lilac quills that come off the other end um so the colors were basically i chose them because of that song by robert palmer you know simply irresistible when that, all those <laughs> gorgeous models were in their slinky dresses with red and red and pink and purple and i just thought, oh i love those yes. colors together so that's wonderful. And in terms of the techniques you used in the hat, um, is this something you've been exploring for a while or is this a new technique yeah. for you? No, no, I've been playing around with this technique for quite a few years now um, and it's basically just um, manipulating a shape, um, trying to get a nice fluid organic shape, I guess, and then I, I basically cover it in feathers to give it that really soft you know and a nice sheen like the the depth of color that the feathers these days it's unbelievable I just yeah it, I just love it yeah fantastic <laughs> and do you dye the feathers yourself or are those ones no 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 no, no. god no I'm not that good no <laughs> I wish no no I, I I um try and source them as is or I get somebody else to dye them yeah one of our millinery suppliers here in Australia and your model, is this someone you've worked with before? How did you go about putting the outfit together for the competition? Um, um, I actually sourced a model from Melbourne because um, I, I have a good friend that does a lot of modelling for me, but she <laughs> inconveniently got herself pregnant. Um, so she couldn't model for me. So I found a girl in Melbourne. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and what I did was like got her sizing and all that and then I sourced a dress online. And then I changed it because it wasn't the right colours. And yeah, and then I found shoes and a bag, you know, the process. All the milliners out there know it's that, that's sort of the task, you know, a gigantic task in itself, getting everything to work together. And you've um, been fortunate, you've won this competition before, was it 2015? And um, how did the experience this time differ to um, last time? Um, it didn't differ a whole lot. I was completely shocked both times and <laughs> just totally in awe of everyone that was up there. And, you know, you see so many amazing things and, you know, such creativity and I was totally blown away both times. <laughs> and in terms of your millinery journey, let's jump back a little bit. How did you first be involved, come to be involved in millinery and making hats? Well, um, 
I studied fashion design at Canberra Institute of Technology many moons ago, and millinery was one of my electives, and I just loved it. Um, and but I didn't sort of explore it anymore after that. And then um, I had the really good good fortune to live in London for a few years, and while I was there, I um, did a lot of workshops and courses with um, theatrical milliner Jane Smith, and she's absolutely crazy mad hats and what she doesn't know about hats is not worth knowing and I just fell in love with her and the whole addiction that she had for millinery and I said to my husband I've just got to do this so I bought my first hat block in London when we come back I just kept going. (laughs) Um, Who are you making hats for at the moment? Are you making mostly racewear hats or have you explored the theatrical work as well? Um, I do mainly race wear. I do do a, a few theatrical pieces and I have done like um, props and that for um, the Museum of Democracy here in Canberra and Old Parliament House. Um, I've done some bicorns and tricorns for the National Library. So, yeah, so, I, but particularly race wear is what uh, I think that allows you to be so creative. Like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you were learning from Jane um, Smith in London. What was was they were they just casual classes or was that through an institute? How was how it was were those through, classes laid out? It was it was through Morley College, so it was actually like semesters, um, and it was sort of like one to two days a week where you went to Morley College and did it. And I actually did um, uh, what was, what's the word? Um, not theatrical uh, period hats, you know, like yeah. So where we studied. Jane Eyre and straw bonnets and stuff like that. So, and she took us on lots of trips to the V&A where we got into the archives and looked at beautiful old bonnets and pieces from, you know, centuries ago. And oh, it was just wonderful. <laughs> and so, um, after you finished the training at Molly College, did you stay and make hats in London, or did you return home to Australia? Um, I, I was making a few while I was there. Um, like I said, I was there for two years, but um, you know, I was pretty busy with other stuff at the time as well. So it was more so when I come back. And did you establish your um, own brand straight up when you returned or did yeah, you have pre- the opportunity pretty, to work for someone else? No, pretty much I just started going myself and, you know, fumbled along and, <laughs> yeah, here I am now. So, yeah, 16 years later. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's incredible. And how do you think um, how you make hats has changed over that time? I've given myself permission to just sort of be okay with not being traditionalist, like not just to do things the normal way, that if you can do it another way or a better way or an easier way, um, then it's okay. Not to beat myself up about it because I haven't done it like a traditional milliner. What are some of those things that you've varied from maybe what might be a less traditional method? Well, I definitely use glue. Okay, it's out there, everybody. I use glue. <laughs> <laughs> Confession right there. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I'll use any material. Like, I don't. it doesn't have to be a, a typical millinery material. Like, can, whatever I can find, I'll turn it into something, you know. Like, yeah, you don't have to buy you know, cinema or felt or whatever, you can explore other materials that are out there, yeah. Which is what you can do now. I mean, you couldn't do that, say, 50, 60 years ago. So, 
Um, and how do you go about um, sourcing your materials? Do you work um, do you work from local suppliers or do you focus on importing or using the alternative materials? I try to <laughs> I try to uh, buy local from Australia. Um, yes. Yeah, because I like that. You know, we need them here too. So I try to be faithful to the millinery suppliers in Australia. Fantastic. And with your um, with your work, do you how do you work? Do you create collections every year, or do you just make a constant flow of hats? What's your process for that? Um, I guess I'm constantly making, but it's always aiming towards a collection. Like I've already started on next spring because oh, wow. I, I I I do a very small autumn winter collection. My big collection is actually spring summer. So while I'm blocking a few felts and doing that at the moment, I'm also got some spring ones in the, in the background. So. And how do you plan those collections out? Do you sketch them or do you draw them? Do you have a strategic plan? You're just making what fits kind of a yeah. theme for the well, year. I do a bit of a storyboard and I, you know, start off with a few colours that I might like or colour combinations. I, you know, I have a look what's happening overseas and then I put a few shapes and all that and I put it all in a little storyboard and try and stick to that sort of theme. But, you know, sometimes you sort of divert from it as well. But, you know, you see something, oh, I better have that. So, yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon is going to be an upcoming trend or popular shape for the new spring season? Everyone says something different every year, but I think they're going to get bigger next year. I think that there's going to be a lot of bigger shapes and, um, you know, a lot more experimentation. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually predicting, you know, for next red. I'm going with red. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good colour for you recently, so hopefully it proves to be a lucky one. <laughs> yeah, but look, you know, if you ask me that question in a month's time, I'll probably tell you a completely different colour. So, <laughs> well, uh, we'll catch up in a month and see see what's going to be on the trend then. <laughs> okay, love it. <laughs> what is your workspace like? Oh, Lauren, you don't want to know. It's chaos. It's complete mess. It's I have stuff everywhere. I don't know how I find anything. You know, sometimes it gets to the point where I actually have to take everything out and start all over again because I can't find anything. <laughs> so my neighbours must think I'm mad because it all goes out the front door. Yes. In boxes and whatever, and then I move it all back in in some sort of orderly fashion. <laughs> and then I guess it, you just keep working. So is that like at the end of the season that happens or you might get like halfway and you're like, oh, I actually oh, can't no, it can find happen. Anything. It can happen any time. It can happen any time. And, it, you know, it can happen two weeks apart or, you know. <laughs> so yeah. your workspace, is that within um, your studio, is that within your home as well? Yeah, it's a separate attachment to my house. But I managed to drag it all sort of through the house, you know. You know, be, whatever I'm working on, that colour will be floating around the floor somewhere. <laughs> uh, I'm shocking. I really am. Um, Such a, you, so messy. Oh, so are you working in your um, your millinery business full time, or do you have um, other things going on as well? No, I I, I do it full time. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, how long did that when when you first launched? Were you were you working in it full time from when you first no. first began, or has this been a constant build? 
No, I've only been doing it for about the last four years I've been doing it full time. Do you find, um, do you try and create a, uh, a bit of structure to your week? Like this is work time and this is um, this is home life time or you're just enjoying it so much that it's just... Are you, are you serious, Lauren? God, no. It can, it can be any time. <laughs> question, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing from one day to the next. I sort of have a rough plan. Like, if I've got some orders, of course, I try and do that. But if I'm just, you know, a bit up in the air about what I'm doing, I might, I don't know, go to the shop and get a coffee and then come back. Oh, I'll do that. You know, like, it can be any time. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But that's also, that's a structure as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. get done. So there we go. It's working, isn't it? My structure is no structure. (laughs) Oh dear. Um, so do you have a big block collection you work from? I have lots of blocks um, as well, but I, one of the uh, courses that I did with um, Jane Smith in London, we did a, a, a one-week workshop at the Sculptural School at, at Morley College where we sculpted our own blocks. Um, yeah, so if I need a special shape, I yeah, can just go and whiz one up. Sounds no, don't just whiz it up. I mean, got to work at it. But yeah, so. <laughs> um. So, are you making that? Is it like a styrofoam block that you form yourself? Yes. Yeah. With yeah, with sandpaper and a rasping tool and that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, do you find that a lot of those skills you learnt in that like initial training, um, those moons ago, um, are coming? They, they've been a constant kind of um support to what you're up to now. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely, yeah. It's um. It's been great to sort of, you know, go back on and, yeah, I, and I still have, you know, all my notes and everything from then and, you know, you look at the disasters you made back then and know know what you can do better now. <laughs> do you still have any pieces from what you made when you were training? Yes, I do, yeah. I have a, <laughs> I have a beautiful purple bonnet. I might wear it to the next function, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, So, how do you? You said you make mostly racewear. Um, how do your um, how do you work with your clients? Do they come to you to buy? You have a wonderful online store. Are they buying on on the online? Um, or are they after something custom made and a little bit more special as well? Uh, it's usually a little bit more special. I have uh, a number of clients that I do regularly, um, and then a number that I make specifically for, and then a number that just come pre race season and just buy from the shelf, buy from what I have, yeah. And um, I'm also very fortunate that I supply a shop in Miami. I yes. send a number of pieces over there every season too, so. And the Miami, is that, um, I've seen a few of your pieces up here at the um, Kentucky Derby. Is that, yeah. um, is that yes. how they end up there? Yes, yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> I've seen one of your, um, I, I knew it was yours. It was a beautiful, um, a, it was a pink piece made um, and up in quite a places it got quite a bit of press oh yes that she won best hat that lady yes at that year at Kentucky Derby oh, was that one that she custom made by you or was that one she picked up no she purchased from she purchased from the shop in Miami yeah um the Miami shop so how did um how did that um partnership come about um basically she contacted me um I could that's the beauty of social media, I guess, that she saw a few things of mine online or whatever and asked me to send her some photos of some other pieces and, yeah, sort of it's sort of gone from there. Yeah. 
So I'm actually in the process of making three for her at the moment for something special. And do, so. you, do you make pieces especially for her shop or does she choose from your existing collection and um, you produce them for her? Both. Um, she sometimes will send me a picture of an outfit and say, what can we do to go with this? Yeah. So she still has some input, like, and has a few ideas what she would want uh, or will look at something I've done and say, can you do this in, you know, done the colour? And do you find the style of hats that uh, her customers are wearing or that travel over to the Derby, are they different to what you'd make for your uh, local Australian clientele? Um, yes. I, I find that uh, her market, they don't actually wear hat hats, so like a hat that fits on your head. They wouldn't wear a boater or something, for example. They have to wear something, you know, well, they still call them fascinators. I don't, but... Um, yeah, you know what I mean? They, they still want something that's sculptural and balancing on your head, not, not an actual head fitting hat. So have you got any special little projects in the works that you could share with us? Um, well, I am, like I said, I'm doing three special pieces to go to America. Um, and they're a bit of a secret, but I will... Um, show you when I'm done. <laughs> we'd love to see when they're done. And yes, it's for a, it's for a race day over there in May, and I've got a few little jobs um, happening for Old Parliament House. They have um, like a dress up area for the schools schools program where people can come, the kids, students come in and they can wear um, Prince whatever his name was that opened Parliament House. They can wear his hat, you know, like the bicorn with the feathers on the top or they can wear a speaker's wig or they can wear a lady of the day type hat, you know, yeah. So I'm doing some more of those for them. So that's a bit of fun. That's fantastic. It was so lovely to speak with you about how oh, yeah. Cynthia, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you, Lauren. You're so lovely. Thank you. <laughs> Show your support of this millinery sponsored podcast series by Our podcast sponsorship starts at fifteen dollars per month. We've got a great sponsor for it. It's less than coffee a week and shows you support. As part of your sponsorship, you'll receive a thank you in our monthly podcast, which I actually just sent, link to your website in our podcast article on our website, and in our newsletter. You can choose to support us ongoing or for a set period of time. It's a great way to have your business, supplies, or events advertised in ears of millinery across the globe this series. You can keep up to date with the latest podcast or look back at the series on our website. Follow along on your favourite podcast. If you know someone who might be interested in taking a podcast, how about sending them in your favourite episode? We hope you've enjoyed this episode with Cynthia and we look forward to bringing you another episode.